Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What's up, everyone? Welcome into another episode of Equal Play. It's been a minute, and I just have to take a quick second and apologize for that. We've been booked and busy since the start of the WNBA and NWSL seasons. And by we, I mean I. So I appreciate you and all of your loyalty to Equal Play. I promise we are bringing you great conversations with women who continue to change the game. This week, I spoke to New York Liberty assistant coach Jackie Jamelis, who made her WNBA debut with the Chicago Sky in 2015. She's a journey woman in the league and overseas, and her story is really special. But before we get to that, let's talk about a couple hot headlines. Up first, the Sky are rolling this 2021 WNBA season, undefeated through the first two games of the season, beating the Mystics 70-56 to in their season opener. And they followed it up with an 85-77 to win against the Dream on Wednesday night. They host the New York Liberty Sunday for their home opener at Wintrust Arena. And there are obviously so many storylines to follow with this team this year, especially, you know, Candace Parker's return to Chicago. But one of the most intriguing storylines to me, other than, of course, Parker's return home, is Kalia Copper. She had a breakout season in the bubble last year and opened the 2021 season with a game-high 19 points against the Mystics and a team-high 23-point performance against the Dream. Again, of course, Candace Parker is rightfully so going to lead many storylines this season, but the sky are full of playmakers beyond Parker, and Copper is certainly one of them. So I encourage all of you to subscribe to the Sun-Times, follow our sky coverage, and follow Copper's journey this 2021 season. It's certainly going to be an exciting one. Next up, we've got some Red Stars news. The Red Stars have their home opener this weekend, hosting Gotham FC at SeatGeek Stadium on Saturday, and they're coming off a disappointing 5 to nothing loss to Portland FC. Defenders Sarah Gordon and Aaron Wright both said this was the worst loss they've suffered as a team since both players have been part of the organization, which is saying a lot. And the tough part to understand about this loss is how exactly it happened. With two months of preseason training combined with the four-week Challenge Cup tournament, where they finished in fourth place in the Western Division, on top of the depth of this roster, There just aren't a ton of excuses for giving up five goals. Portland is, of course, stacked. But again, two months of training, a month of the Challenge Cup tournament, the depth on this roster, there just aren't excuses for for a loss like that. Gordon said finding cohesiveness with this roster and its talent takes time. 
But one thing is certain, you know, time is something that they don't have in this league. Every win matters and winning early matters. So a win against Gotham FC is critical. All right, now that we've got you through the latest and greatest on our Sky and Red Stars, let's get to this conversation. Here is Jackie Jamelis. Man, I can't even tell you all how excited I am to welcome in Jackie Jamelis, assistant for the New York Liberty. Welcome, <laughs> Jackie. What an honor it is to have you on, on Equal Play. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. You know, it's funny because I've, I've obviously known you for a minute now, um, your time with the Chicago Sky. And when I launched this podcast, I was like, you know who would be great to have on because of her story is is Jackie. And I was waiting for the right time. And when you were announced as the assist, a new assistant with the New York Liberty, I was like, this is it. This is the time. Yeah. That's cool. No, I'm happy to be here. It's perfect timing, like you said. So I want to start from the beginning, you know, because I just love sharing people's journeys in their career. So let's start from the jump. Um, You know, what was it that brought you into the game of basketball? Um, I think the influence of my dad, Um, me and my sister, we're really close in age. We're 16 months apart. Um, and my dad was a player. He was, he played at Weber state, um, had a good high school career. And then he went on and played overseas in in Athens, Greece. Um, he's actually originally from Greece, but I think just his influence, um, got me and my sister into basketball, into sports in general, but just, um, basketball was kind of, um, the road we took just because my dad knew so much about it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I started playing when I was seven and, it just stuck with me forever. <laughs> Who were some of the players you grew up looking up to? Were, were they women in the game or were you looking up to men? Because, you know, a lot of times I hear from women and unfortunately we like we have a lot of male role models, which isn't a negative thing. But, you know, did you have women in the game that you were really looking up to at a young age? Yeah, I did. I was actually fortunate enough to, um, I grew up in Stockton, which is like 30 minutes, Stockton, California, just 30 minutes from Sacramento. Uh-huh. Um, and in 96, when the WNBA started, the Monarchs, Sacramento Monarchs were there. Yeah. Um, so I was, you know, just getting into basketball, just starting. Um, and I was watching Tisha Finichero, uh, pretty much my whole childhood. And that for me was my favorite player. Um, I loved watching her play. She was um, just flashy and just making all those like crazy no look passes. Um, so she was definitely someone that I watched growing up. Um, of course I had my male role models, Michael Jordan, Pistol Pete Maravich. Um, I grew up watching like videos and ball handling dribbles of Pistol Pete, um, you know, all of his like dribbling drills videos that he made. Um, that was a, a big role model for me as well growing up. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I had, I had my women role models as well. And then as I got a little bit older, Diana Taurasi, um, for me also being, you know, a hooper from California, um, she was the best. And then wanting to go to UConn because of her and it was, she had a huge influence on me as well. Yeah. You guys had a moment in the bubble. What I, were you guarding her? You pulled up on her. It was, uh, <laughs> I, I, I have the picture in my mind, but I can't remember if you were playing defense or you were shooting. Yeah. Well, I mean, she scored on me numerous times. It's fine. It's nine o'clock. <laughs> we have no issue on that. It's good. Yes, please. Thank you. Um, and 
um, yeah, there's a couple times I got, I got a couple deep threes on her and she was just, you know, talking her mess as always. Um, but such a, you know, respect there for her. She knows she's been my idol literally my whole life. So it's kind of like, she knows the drill. She knows what's up. Um, but yeah, that was fun. I had, I had that moment in the bubble and that was just like one of the best moments in my career for sure. You know, before we get to the bubble season, I wanted to talk about your college career as well. Playing at USC, such a storied, uh, you know, women's basketball program. What was it, what did it mean to you to be entering to enter that program, giving its history and the players that put on that jersey? Yeah, um, I mean, I had a unique experience coming into college. I was. Uh, supposed to go to UConn. I had verbally committed there when I was 15. So I was really young. And so that kind of like altered my recruiting process because a lot of teams stopped recruiting me um, once I was committed there. Um, And then once I like verbally decommitted, which wasn't a thing back then. So it was kind of a big deal um, is when, you know, school started picking up recruiting me, but it was late. You know, it was like, I was going into my senior season. Most people had already chosen where they were going. Um, so like the schools that I narrowed it down to were all California schools. Mm-hmm. And, um, like you said, USC being, um, they, they had two national championships, Cheryl Miller, Cynthia Cooper, you know, all these great time players and people that have gone through that program. Um, yeah, it was like, you know, for me, it was more like, Oh, I wanted to help bring that back. I wanted to bring that culture back, um, to the program. And, um, you know, I thought that that's, you know, what was going to happen. Obviously a lot of different things happened in college. I had tons of injuries. I only played in 57 games my entire college career. I was there for six years. Um, and USC is, hasn't really gotten back to that level uh, in a really long time. So, um, you know, it's, it's disappointing, but hopefully, you know, some things are going to change and they're going to get back on that level. You brought up your injuries and like as a member of the media, it's so interesting the way that journalists write about players and their injuries, like as if they're like not human sometimes. And so I wonder experiencing all of that, what it taught you about yourself at such a young age and, and how at such a young age, you, you know, mentally kept yourself committed to a sport that was challenging you so much? Yeah, no. Um, I mean, it was a really hard time for me. It was a super hard process. Just, um, I think just the fact that everything was so back to back, it was just, you know, if it was more spread out, I think it would have felt differently, but it was just like, I was pretty much out of the game for like five to six years, more or less. Yeah. Um, and that's a long time to not be playing, not be suited up and not be in, in the game. Um, and I just think, you know, mentally I had my, uh, my adversity through all of that. And I just think that the supporting staff around me, um, like my tribe, my family, my friends, just all of those people played a huge role in the mentality of things and just like getting out of that and coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously like I had to be brave to, to an extent. And that was like, okay, can I actually get back on the court? Can I actually um, play again? Like, is that even a possibility for me? So it was like that bravery factor, like getting out there and doing it, putting myself in that position to potentially get hurt again over and over and over again. It got to a point where 
I question that, you know, like, is that something that I want to continue to do? Um, but I think that what I always reverted back to was just my childhood and my upbringing and just how much I love basketball and just that passion and, um, that I have from such a young age. Um, and you know, all the countless hours I put into it with my, with my dad, with my sister, my mom, like, you know, my parents worked multiple jobs to be able to provide everything for me and my sister when we were younger so that we could do everything that we wanted. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think those things just really stuck with me and it, um, you know, they just played a, a big factor in why I chose to continue to play and try and play and try to like fulfill my dreams of being in the WNBA because that's all I wanted. That's literally everything I wanted was to prove that I could play on that elite level again um, and be on that stage because that's something that I was watching from the beginning in 96 when Sacramento um, had a team and the WNBA started the league. It was just like, I knew that's where I belonged and that's like, there was nothing that was going to stop me from getting there. Definitely. Perfect segue into my next question. Um, you're really great at this, by the way. Um, but <laughs> so are you. <laughs> 2015, then, you know, you make your WNBA de- debut and we all know it was with the Chicago Sky. So what was the feeling for yourself then when you got to check that off, you know, your bucket list when you actually got to, you know, say dream fulfilled yeah um I mean literally like I have a tattoo on my wrist it says 26 um that was I was 26 years old when I finally made made the team Uh um made my dream come true of actually being a part of the league um and that had a huge that had a lot to do with Pokey Chapman too the the coach at the time um she really believed in me she was the first coach that gave me a real opportunity to be on the team. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, to, to get a little playing time here and there, I just, I, I'm going to forever cherish her and just the amount of, um, just like, you know, she just believed in me and it was just like, that's all I needed was someone to take that shot on me. Um, not think that I was going to, you know, come in and be injured. Like I know there was a lot of teams previous that were worried about signing me because of my injury and my history of, of knee surgeries and stuff. Um, so she, she let all of that go essentially. And, um, I just forever uh, will cherish her and, you know, for giving me that opportunity, but that was the best year of my life. Literally one of the best years of my life that summer living in Chicago and being a part of that team, Cappy Pondexter, Deladon, Tamara Young, Courtney uh, Vandersloot, Allie Quigley. It was just like, that team was unreal. It was unbelievable. Um, and I look back on it and I'm like, how did we lose? Like, how did we not go further, you know? Um, but I mean, obviously there's other great teams in the league. Um, but yeah, it was just such a great experience and I will for sure never forget it. Okay, I have to ask that team, who was the best dressed? Who had the best sneaker game? Because between you, Cappy, and... Tamara, like who, it's like, who had the best sneaker game? Oh, I was so far behind them in like <laughs> sneaker and swag. Like, trust me, they, I looked up to them. They were, they were two people I was trying to learn from and they did. And I did learn from them. Like they were, they set the bar. Um, 
they they won that hands down. I don't know who, but like they got they got that. Yeah, they, for sure. I, I say they they both go down in history as two of the best dressed in the league. Absolutely. Oh um, yeah. But now I'd love your perspective on this team presently, the sky, which, you know, I don't know if you have much of an opinion, but speaking as a player that was part of that 2015 team, you talked about Elena and Cappy and just the rest of that squad, you know, now looking at Candace joining Chicago, what do you think, um, you know, as a former player in the league and now a coach, what do you think this team is capable of? And also, you know, the significance of a player like Candace coming home. Yeah, no, I mean, they're going to be really good. And it's weird to talk about other teams because obviously I only right. want New York to do really good, um, which I do think we're going to have a great year. But um, yeah, I mean, Chicago with the addition of Candace is going to be scary. Um, I just think Sloot and Candace, that combo is going to be awesome. And then the addition of Ali, like, you know, on the wing shooting and every other piece they have there. It's just, um, you know, that's a team that you look at and you're like, hmm, you know, they can contend for a WNBA championship. Absolutely. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited and looking forward to, to watching them and see how Candace fits in there and, and how that all goes down. So I think it's going to be really good. Perfect transition into now your present uh, position with the New York Liberty. How did this all unfold? Because, you know, you announced your retirement. And I think for fans of of you and your game, that was emotional. People were, were obviously super supportive. But, you know, understanding everything you've been through in the game, I think people were like, didn't want to see you leave the game. And then mm-hmm. quickly... It was like, psych, she's not gone. She's coaching in the league. So can you elaborate on how this all unfolded? Yeah. Um, I mean, even for me, it was emotional to have to make that decision. Uh, like, I always tell people if it's up to me, if it was up to me, I would play until I'm 50. Like, I, you know, I would be the oldest player playing basketball. But it just, it's, there was a point that I hit where I was just like, my body is just not where it needs to be to perform at that level anymore. Mm-hmm. And when I say body, I mean, my knee, my knees, um, I mean, 10 surgeries to date. So it's just like what I've gone through in that area of my body. It was just, you know, I had to make that decision based on like my life in the future. Um, and I didn't know how much, how many more years I could have got out of playing um, at even 50% of what I'm capable of just because, you know, and that's how I knew it was time. And I felt like after playing in the bubble last summer and then, um, you know, trying to go overseas in Turkey after that and just not being able to physically do it, I knew it was time to just say, Hey, you know, leave, leave the game when you did everything you wanted to do. I got to play in the WNBA in 2020 in the bubble. And like, that was one of the best experiences of my life. Um, so I just felt it was the perfect time to just say, okay, like I'm not going to, I'm not going to prolong this process. Like I want, I'm going to do it now because this, I'll feel good about it in the future. Um, and then I made that decision. I made that announcement on my Instagram. And then a couple hours later, I was talking to Walt on the phone um, yeah, yeah, no, it was, it was wild. Like we, de- like we were talking on on messages for a little bit on Instagram, and then a couple hours later, we were on the phone. We talked on the phone for two hours, um, and it was just like 
I didn't even have that time to really feel the sadness and all of the emotions that came with retiring. Um, I knew before, obviously I made that announcement, but it's like, you know, I didn't really truly have to experience life without like basketball. Number one life without not knowing what I'm doing. Number two, but it's like everything that I worked for as a player I'm getting now still. So it's like literally the perfect transition. I couldn't have asked for a better situation. Um, I think everything just aligned really well. And I just, I couldn't be more excited and more happy about this opportunity. And um, just this whole experience, it's been incredible so far. Yeah, I'm a firm believer the universe does not make mistakes. So maybe this alignment was the perfect setup for you know, you to be rewarded in ways that maybe you weren't as a player. So that was extremely exciting to see. And you brought up the the bubble and that was obviously a historic re- season for so many reasons, the pandemic, the social justice initiatives, which the WNBA has from its inception led professional leagues in terms of speaking up and, and standing up for, for, you know, issues across the board that matter. So when you look back on the bubble season, what's your biggest takeaway and what are you most grateful for having been a part of it? Yeah. I mean, you said it, it was just, um, I mean, actually being there and being, uh, on the forefront of all of the, the movements that happened, uh, it was just something I really can't explain. And, um, the emotions and everything that we were feeling actually being there and being in it, are indescribable for me because, um, you know, just like the high and the low of that whole bubble was just like, wow. Um, you know, the night when the teams entered the building, the four teams that were playing that night, when we entered the building and then like all of us collaborating together, four teams that were competing and trying to beat each other and win against each other, us coming together to say, Hey, we're not going to play in this game tonight. Let's all talk about it. Let's figure it out right now. So we know Uh what to say on air. Uh So it was just like that rush and those things that I got to experience being right there in the middle of it all. And then to the next day, not wanting to even play in a basketball game because of everything that happened. um, You know, it was just like those emotions are something I can't describe. um, But the support that we had, from Washington, from, from Mike Tebow and Eric and the staff there, just their support and just allowing us to do whatever we felt like was best and whatever we wanted to do was also so powerful because it's like, you know, you have the backing of the head coach and him just giving us, you know, all the freedom to do as we want and, and proceed how we wanted to proceed. That next day in practice, he, we barely practiced. We barely did anything. Um, because it was so emotional. We just, none of us could really pull ourselves together and just say, Hey, like, yeah, let's start playing basketball. Let's focus on our next opponent. Like, no, we're so devastated from what happened last night. Um, and just devastated about everything and all the news. And like, you know, we had Tiana Hawkins on our team. She had a son there. It was just a lot of emotions took place. Um, and just things that I'll never be able to forget for as long as I live. Um, and then just like, the meeting that we had with 144 players with 12 teams all in like a cafeteria like room and us deciding how we want to move forward. Um, that was so powerful because you have all these different people, all these different opinions, all these different personalities, 
But in the end, we all came to one final decision. And that was like, we're going to continue to play. We're playing for a bigger purpose. Um, we, we want to show that like, you know, we're shedding light on all the things that, that we believe in and have passion for, but also at the same time, we're here for basketball. We're here to do our jobs. We're here to play. Um, and I just think that the way we were able to balance those two and still finish a season with COVID and with everything else going on, it was just yeah. like, wow, like these girls, like this is so amazing and so powerful. So it was just really cool. Yeah. I wonder, it's like, it was divine timing because you got to come back and experience that. And, and now as a coach, I'm, I imagine that's going to influence you in so many ways. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's another thing, you know, just, um, having that experience of, of being there last year and being a player, um, and, and kind of just sharing my experiences with other teams and how we, did things or, you know, how we decided things or, you know, just like little things, just like even national anthem stuff. Like, what did we do? How did we go about that? Um, it's been really helpful just because I was there last year and I know what's going on. I I understand everything. Um, so yeah, it's fun to be, to be on the side and kind of like navigate through that through those experiences too. Now in New York, can you, can you tell us, can you tell our listeners how training camp has been going and what's been, I don't know, the biggest change for you in adjusting to, you know, putting the Jersey on versus, you know, being on the sideline in a a different type of Jersey, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, I mean that you kind of said it right there for me, it's like, um, my first scrimmage, like first, like actual coaching situation was when we played Connecticut in the preseason game the other day. Um, I didn't really feel so different in the sense of like, um, like things I was saying and, and how I would react to certain things. It was very similar to how I would as a player, I was just literally in a different uniform. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I felt very comfortable in the sense that it was just like, um, you know, I still feel very, very much comfortable just in a different role. And I'm able to, um, to teach and to help the younger players and to, to say things to the other players that I see just from watching being an outsider looking in. Um, but training camp's been really good. Uh, I just think it's such an amazing group here that we have. I know it was a hard season for them last year. Um, it's a new team. It's a different team. There's obviously more additions to the team, to the roster. Uh, and just the people that we have from last year, the young girls coming back. Uh, it's awesome because their willingness to learn and listen and to retain the things that we're telling them and trying to teach them. It's just like, they're so, they take everything in mm. and that's hard to come into a team, especially in the WNBA. Everyone's a pro. Like right. a lot of, a lot of the players don't want to listen. A lot of the players think they know everything, you know, and it's just like, Um, it's, it's fun to be in a young team and just with, um, you know, a culture that is just so receptive to listening and just like, yeah, I love it. And it's been, it's been really fun. Um, what do you think is going to be the biggest difference that fans see from, from this team versus the team it was last year? Um, I mean, it's a different team. You know, we have, uh, Rebecca Allen, Sammy Whitcomb, Natasha Howard, Benajah Laney. Those are four great players that are added to this roster. Um, And, you know, the girls that are coming back from last year, more experienced, they went overseas, they understand the league a little bit better. Um, 
you know, the system will be the same. The way Walt coaches is going to be the same. Um, and now just putting all those pieces together, I think uh, there's definitely going to be improvement from last year. Um, I don't think teams will feel like they can take the night off when they play against us. Um, so it's just, you know, it's, it's going to be, it, there's, there's progress being made. And I think it's going to continue to be like that throughout the season. Absolutely. And, you know, my last question for you is just something that I ask all my guests when they come on this show, because everyone just comes from totally different backgrounds, have totally unique experiences, but their advice is just so valuable. And so I wonder for you, what has been maybe the most challenging lesson, but has taught you more than any win could teach you about yourself? Um, I think for me, it's just my, my history of, um, of injuries. I think that that's like everything that I learned and took away from those experiences, the, you know, overcoming that adversity in my career as a player, um, I think just kind of molded and shaped me into who I am today. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, just sticking to what you love and, um, continuing to fight for your dreams um, I think that's just been kind of my road and, and what I've, I hope what I left as a player. Um, and yeah, so that's for me been the biggest thing. Sorry, I didn't answer that. Great. <laughs> no, that was great. And I actually have one more quick question for yeah. you. Um, you know, another thing I, I try to ask every guest is what is their hope for future, for the future of women in sport? And, you know, obviously your career has been in basketball. So maybe you want to apply it directly to basketball, but what is your hope for the future of women in sport? Just more opportunities. You know, I think, um, as we see women are getting those opportunities and are able to kind of expand their roles, like onto the men's side, which I think is really valuable. Um, and I just hope to continue to see that and to see those roles opening up. Um, and even for players who are done playing, like what are the next steps? What are, what's the next phase for us? Um, just continuing to have more options and, and just more opportunities involved in that because the reality is you come in to the real world, you come into life after basketball, but with what experience you have outside of playing, playing is super valuable and it's very valuable to a lot of, um, different, you know, things in life, but, um, you know, what else, what other things can we do outside of coaching, um, or, you know, outside of just the, the things that you would are, are easy, you know, coaching, staying in the game. That's definitely something that, that we all know we can do and we can have that in our future, but what else can we do too? You know? Um, so I'm, that's just really what I hope for, for, for the future and the next generations to come. An awesome, uh, answer to end on. And Jackie, I'm just so glad we got to do this. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.